everyone. Welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks again to my guest of episode 230, Jeff Pan, all the way from Singapore. Uh, again, as I stated in that episode, just excited to even make the connection with Jeff. Anytime it's somebody out of the country, I get so worried that it's never going to work out or the communication is going to take months at a time. But, um, you know, as, as with Anetta's, it took, uh, I don't know, months and months and months before I was able to finally reconnect with her. And then at that time, it came completely random. But with Jeff, it was so easy. So the conversation besides that was just so, I don't know, beneficial for me. And outside of the Wizahickon memories that he shared, just so inspirational. So if you hadn't had a chance, check out that podcast uh, available everywhere that you get podcasts, but also at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. And follow the Facebook and Instagram page at We Weren't Friends in High School. This week, my guest is Jen Fitz, a.k.a. Jenny Martin. Jen, like uh, Jeff Pan, is just getting caught up on this show. So when I first asked Jen about doing it, uh, she was kind of like blown away. Like, what is this? Oh, my gosh. But was so excited, enthusiastic uh, about doing an episode, having this conversation with me, which is a fun feeling for me. It's like starting the podcast all over again for the first time. Jen was our homecoming queen, which we will talk about. But outside of that, I didn't really know Jen or Jenny, as we called her at the time. Uh, instead, I knew her mom, who worked in a school, and Jenny's younger sister, Nikki, who I had chorus with. But oddly enough, our paths just never crossed. So now that's finally happened. And uh, well, I don't know. Let's just get into it. Here is class of 2001's homecoming queen, Jen Fitz, a.k.a. Jenny Martin. Ooh, what you got? A oh, smoothie. this is a yeah. So it's uh, it's actually an iced mocha. So I don't drink real coffee. Um, I just drink like grown up chocolate milk. So, <laughs> like maybe four years ago, five years ago, maybe longer, but I doubt it. I realized that mocha is just like chocolate syrup with espresso and some milk. So now yeah. I drink these way too often, more than I want to admit on the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. I just like a little bit of coffee with my creamer. So I'm with you 100%. <laughs> and the best part is I've got a dentist appointment right after this interview. So like, I'm sure my dentist is going to love this. Yeah, you got to brush him real good. Brush him real good. I'm going to pull out the water pick and everything. Just like try and try and clean it all up before I go. That's right. That's right. Mr. Thirsty. I just introduced my kids to the dentist and their favorite part was Mr. Thirsty. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's the straw, yeah. right? You know, yeah, the sucker. <laughs> so, you know, what's funny is now, like as a grown up, I feel like dentists don't even like really, they're just kind of like, they don't even tell you what to do right, with right. it. Like I'm waiting for instruction, like, Hey, you know that you can move this around. They just put it and hook it in your mouth and just leave yeah. it there. And it's like, can I touch it? When I was a kid, I used yeah. to be able to touch it. Like, I don't Meanwhile, you're drooling out of one side of your mouth. And I'm drowning. Lie. I'm drowning, Jen, in my spit. I'm just like, ah, gargling. And he's like, and then he'll just go. It's like, it's like he gives me the nice little courtesy of, Ch -ch -ch -ch. all right, now let's get back to business. And I'm like, is that it? I, you know, I like, I want to, you want to like take every piece of saliva in your mouth and just push it forward and try and get it out. And then like, okay, 
I find the hardest thing for me now is the jaw. I can't keep my mouth open for like that long anymore. Which is amazing because it sounds like you basically talk for a living. So I never shut up. (laughs) But see, there's the good thing about this is that I've learned to practice listening. So like there's times when I rest my jaw. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see. I see. At the dentist is definitely the place to not do that. Yeah. And lose a finger and they'll never invite you back. (laughs) This is true. This is true. I found a guy right down the street from me, so I don't want to mess this up. Yeah, it's a good relationship. It is. It's, it's, work, it's working for me. That's good. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, yeah. Uh, how are you? Good. Like 20 years older than I think the last time we talked, which I don't know. I know. It's amazing how time flies. It's funny because like, I feel like you've been, I've, I feel like we've been Facebook friends. And when I, when I wrote you, I told you, like, I feel like I've always known like people around you, your mom working in the school and um, your sister being in chorus. I just always yeah. knew, like, I felt like the people around you and I never really knew you much at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I was thinking about this like over the last couple of days, you know, working myself through the anxiety of getting recorded. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I don't remember a lot from high school, like just in general, like that time in my life. And I hope it's not early onset Alzheimer's or some sort, but I definitely don't remember like, why, like, why didn't we hang out? Why wasn't I like a part of all these circles that you still see on Facebook? And I think I was so um, like heads down involved in relationships <laughs> throughout high school that it just like, I never had a big group of friends, you know, and Nikki did, my sister did, yeah. right? She always had somebody that she's hanging out with. My mom was yelling at just about every student in the school. So she knew everybody. It was just me <laughs> in funny. the corner making out with somebody or something. <laughs> I was, I was going to say the one thing I do remember about you is like long-term relationship as far as like with Pat, right? That's what I remember. Yeah. That's the, the most smiling guy in school now in, in competition, in competition for greatest beard of, of class of 2000 of 2001. It's, I think it's me, him and Sean McAmon in competition for, yeah, for yeah. best beard of the class. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I've, I saw, um, is he, he's in Hawaii, right? He's in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. How freaking cool. Gotta and you're probably you. seeing, right? Like everybody kind of going everywhere, doing everything. Yeah. And, and when, before, before, uh, the pandemic happened and I was like, oh, well, you know, I was doing these in person and it was like, well, I'll travel, you know, I'll travel to California and maybe I'll be able to get like three or four while I'm out there. And, and then I was like, circling circling hawaii like when it's time to do pat's <laughs> pat's podcast i'm flying out there to hawaii and but for you like i feel like uh i feel like maybe through jess i kind of like just knew about you peripherally right yeah um <laughs> and then of course i did a quick dive into the yearbook because in my head i'm like wasn't wasn't she like uh like voted most attractive or most popular or like one of those kind of like popularity type of contests I felt like we did. And and then I I scroll through and go homecoming queen. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Homecoming queen. I have that double spread in the yearbook, create those two pages, that, that exciting moment. And um, so here's, here's the perspective of that moment from the other side. Right. So you're on stage 
and you're praying that you don't trip. Um, and oh, by the way, so remember when they like walk down the field, there's like electrical cords all across the field for like the lights. Yeah. And all I remember thinking is don't trip. Like, obviously I have a, a thing about like embarrassing myself <laughs> all of these anxieties. So like, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. You get on the stage and there's steps. Oh my gosh. She put steps on a stage, like step up the stage. You're standing there and the utter like, wow factor of your name being called was like definitely one of those moments in my childhood where I thought, holy cow, like I could totally rule the world. And then I stood there, Brad, and I stood there for like five minutes or something like way too long. Like, okay, somebody tell me what to do now. Cause this is too exciting for me to make any of my own decisions about at this point. But I remember being up there thinking like, this is really neat. Like, I really appreciate this moment, like in my childhood, you know, I will forever remember that. And so I think my mom's got it on camera and the camera, like the video camera, you know, like one of these, we, these jobs, mm -hmm. she's like, I can hear her. She goes, I can't believe she won. I just can't believe she won. <laughs> We're thinking, really, mom? That's kind of what you say in your, you have like a whole write up about it where you kind of say yeah. that in the beginning, like, I can't believe I won. But then you're also like, I don't want to say that I don't deserve it or that, or that I do deserve something like that. But it's, it's very like youthful, but at the same time, like attempting to be mature and. Yeah. That's funny. And we decided that it was going to be the business of homecoming. So we like wore suits, right? Instead of like cute dresses or whatever, like we all decided to wear suits. And I went shopping for my first suit. I think it was at like Forever 21 or something yes. like that, which is obviously the place you get your professional apparel from. <laughs> first job attire. Yeah, that's right. That's right. 100%. Yeah, it's totally fun. Yeah. And then I think um, that year, Malik Carr was a uh, prom queen right i remember that okay and she was up See, there i didn't go too. to i didn't go to prom so what no prom no i never went to like any high school dances events i hated dressing up i didn't like dancing mm -hmm. i didn't like the idea of like having to bear my soul and ask a girl to go to a dance with me like None of those things were right, in right. my repertoire of what I did. I was yeah. good at, yeah. I was yeah. good at cracking wit, uh, <laughs> getting like getting involved in other people's business, talking really loud, uh, yeah. and occasionally some singing. Like those were kind of, you know, and random wrestling knowledge. Those were really my, that was my wheelhouse of talents. Yeah. Yeah. In high school. I mean, how much better does it get? Right. Yeah. None of those things ever come into play for the prom. I do remember um, senior year uh, in a calculus calculus class, Steph Hughes, who was, I think, a grade below us, asks, uh, asked me, are you going to prom? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is this is oh, my God, is Steph Hughes going to ask me to go to prom like right here in class? And she and I go and I go. I'm not sure yet why. She goes because we need someone to videotape it. Is that when you put your foot down? And was like absolutely not. I'm never doing this ever. Yeah, I was like, I'm not. No weddings, no proms. I'm not doing this. So, uh, do you have any regrets? Any regrets not doing any of those? About not going to school dances. Yeah. No, not not from like a not from like a missed the event type of thing, more from a, probably just from like a social like I, I think I missed. I mean, I think a lot of part of this, like when I do these these podcasts now and talking to people and like 
talking to them about what was like their social life like, because I watched the life that I imagine kids that we went to school with, the life that I imagine they were having was based off of Saved by the Bell 90210. Um, I was yeah. very, you know, obsessed with those shows. And so that's what I imagine was happening. Pretty girls drinking drugs, making mistakes. Um, and yeah. I didn't do any of that stuff. And so I think I just missed more of like the camaraderie, the relationships, the socializing with, with the girls, uh, those type of things were like what I kind of missed, but like the standing around at the prom when people are like, man, you should have been there. It's like, really? Like I didn't even go to football games. That wasn't like going to the football games on Friday night wasn't my thing. But what I was more into was like what happens after the football games. Once everyone's met up, where are they going? That's what I was way more curious about than actually hanging out on the sidelines. Yeah. Did you have restrictions like were your parents pretty strict about you going out, staying out late, who you were out with? Did you have a lot of boundaries there? You know, the funny thing is that, so my parents got divorced uh, after seventh grade. So from eighth grade on, I lived, I lived with my mom and my mom was not very strict in that way, but also she knew all of my friends. Um, yeah. And none of my friends were, were partiers or anything like that. Like my best friend was Ray Campion. Ray's mom was my mom's best friend. So like all of our friends kind of stemmed from that circle somehow. Um, and so my mom never like said, like, you have to do this. You have to do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. I never ventured out into those things. I remember like one time, I think I was, I didn't come home like on a Sunday until like 1130 and I came home yeah. and I think my mom was on the phone, like with her, with her sister or something. And, and I came in, she was like, where the hell were you? Like, and I was like, oh, I was like literally just riding around listening to music with one of my friends. And she was yeah. like, don't do that again, like being out to almost midnight on a Sunday night and not telling me. And that yeah. was and I was like and I kind of knew I was probably pushing it, but I was like, well, I don't you know, there's nothing going on anyway. So like that was like as strict as it got. But I just never yeah. did anything crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you, buddy. I felt like I was a really good kid. And so I didn't need all the restrictions. We did have a lot of restrictions. Um, you know, we were the house that people went to. So my mom was always, you know, made sure that kids came to our place versus we going somewhere else. And mm -hmm. I think to keep an eye on them, right? Yeah. Like, what are you little rascals up to? Um, you know, so we always came to our house. So it's not like I was going to sneak out of my own house and everybody was at my house. <laughs> right, right. Although speaking of, out, I did sneak out of a window one time at an unnamed friend's house, because I don't know if her parents know, I guess 20 <laughs> years later, they probably wouldn't care. <laughs> but I did sneak out of the house one time and did the whole like, ran down the driveway with no shoes on, like got like got into a car of like unknown people at the end of the road. And I think to myself now, first of all, it's amazing that I survived that night. Second of all, I would kill my children. If, if they did survive that night, I would kill them myself. You know, and what the heck goes through the kids heads that don't follow the rules, you know? You know, I for me, I had FOMO. So, and, and still do at times when you see like a group of friends. And I don't think we knew what that was at the time. But when you see a group of friends yeah. hanging out or, or just people that maybe you admire. And I think that was a lot of like, you know, I think that's a lot of like that cool kid, like, you know, mm -hmm. philosophy. Or when like you look out and you see the cool kids and the whole stereotype, it's like, I want to see, I want to be in that world. And so I think just like, what are they doing? I think that's the pull that people who are in it also are like, 
well, I got to stay in this world. I got to go out and do it. Or I got to, when you get like a lifeline to get in there, it's like, you can't pass this up. Right. It's super yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. It's super bad, dude. <laughs> it's like a downward spiral there. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's no good. It's so funny. It's all coming back to me now. It's probably well, a reason I put a lid on it. When did you, when did you come into Wizzahicken? What was your elementary so school? I was Bluebell. Okay. So part of the system, um, and when we, when I left Bluebell and went into middle school, that's when my mom got her job at the library. So she left Prudential. I think that's where she was. And she decided, you know what? I got to keep an eye on my kids. Like I just, and that kind of mom. So she got her job at the library and then straight through middle school into high school. And when we were in high school, she got a job at, in the IT department so she could literally travel. I mean, Brad, like this is where some of my issues come from, right? Like she could travel between the schools. Um, I think I snuck out of school twice, like cut class. And both times she happened to see me walking across the field to the parking lot because she was walking by a window. I mean, bad. It was like oh bad timing. <laughs> I was going to say, was she like just stationed by those big bay windows, like at the end of the hall yeah. where she could just look? Yes. Yes. Cause that's where the library was. Yeah. I didn't realize like the back room to the library is like all those windows across the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was in, I was in WIS for the entire, the entire school. I mean, gosh, and I never really branched out in terms of groups of kids that we hung out with or anything like that. Who were you hanging just out with? when? Yeah. So it was you and Jess. Was that like when you were, we'll see. I know Jess went to Shady Grove because that's when I met Jess in fourth grade yeah. at Shady Grove. So did you switch? Yeah. No, no, I met Jess. Gosh, I want to say it was middle school okay. that Jess and I met. Um, yeah. And God, what was the guy's name? Do you remember it was Mr. G and Mr. D? In Mr. Al Goldberg or Mr. Del Muto. That's the one. Um, and I remember surviving that class with Jess, like having so many issues in that class and she, her being like, Shh, sh it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that was her. Oh my gosh. Like I said, it's all so blurry. And then we went to um, Scott Beck. So Scott Beck and his friends and I were, were good friends. So Scott, Gody, Tui, um, kind of that group mm -hmm. I hung out with, but it was mainly Pat. Pat and I and Jess, you know, that's that a, was it. That's a threesome there. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I never did like a lot of sports. Right. So I did track and um, cheerleading in school mm -hmm. and just never like hooked up with the kids that did it. And I didn't do team sports because I'm not a team player. Um, and so in general, like it was just hard to fit in and make friends like stick. I felt like I was a floater though. You know, like I could go sit with anybody, yeah. like, have a conversation with anybody, but like I wasn't invited to like the Friday night outs, right? Like I wasn't invited to like those, which was fine. Cause again, I was too busy making out with Pat most yeah. of the time. <laughs> wasn't missing much. But you also were, ha you said you were having events at your house anyway, you were having friends over yeah. or like your house would be the place where people would come. So would that be like a Friday or Saturday night? Yeah, probably. Um, cause we had the, we had the pool. There was like a game room upstairs. We did a good job of being the destination house. Uh, but yeah, I think we had people over on Fridays and that was what, what it was. It was so low key. I'm really proud of my mom and dad. They like, <laughs> they held it together down to like a safe level. Yeah. <laughs> the, the chaos of childhood. They like, no, 
no problem. We got this. Must be nice. <laughs> what were you when you were a kid and like you're, you know, before, I guess, well, maybe even the time you're hanging out with Jess, but even before that, like what kind of stuff were you into growing up as a, as a kid? So my sister and I did martial arts. That was sort of like a out of, outside of school thing. So we started that when we were pretty young and went straight through. I did it in college. Um, when I came back from college, I did it for a little bit at the studio that, you know, we studied at. So that was a thing. We're um, doing Taekwondo. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Is that, did you do that? I feel like no. maybe we have that. Like, no, Ray did. Ray, Ray was a black belt in Taekwondo. Ray did karate and yeah. I think like did Junior Olympics and all that. Wow. Man, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, we definitely didn't do that. <laughs> um, and then we always had summer houses. So like during the summertime, we would go away. So we would go to the Poconos. So we would come down to Ocean City, Maryland. Um, so it wasn't even around for like the summer, you know, portion of getting together with people. That fits um, with you not blending into like groups and stuff, right? You're being completely removed to build those yeah. bonds of yeah. going to summer so it's camp. Not my or, fault. Yeah, so it's not my fault, which is what we're agreeing on right now. <laughs> maybe your parents knew what they were doing, right? Let's remove her from the situation so she doesn't grow any real hard bonds with anyone and then make her start That's from scratch right. again in the next year. Every year, every year. Uh, yeah. And then Nick and I played together a lot. You know, like I was into reading and Nick was into stealing my books and hiding them somewhere in the house. So we always got along really well, Nick and I. Are you guys three um, years apart? Three years apart. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And she's pain in the ass the entire time we we're growing up. And we're actually really close now, which is amazing. She's got a couple of kids. I got a couple of kids. It, like worked out pretty well for us. Yeah. All that baby you know, playing we did as younger children. Right. It's it, it preparing paid off. us for later. Yeah. 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 But we didn't do a lot outside of family time. You know, we spent a lot of time together as a family and then my parents divorced. So, um, gosh, I think I was 16 when they divorced. So dad moved out. So now it was, you know, seeing dad sometimes, seeing mom sometimes. And I guess that kept us a little bit busy. Did you live? No, your... it wasn't. What's that? Yeah. At my mom's. Yeah. Lived at your mom's. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So same. Yeah. Um, when you were, I guess when you went from like elementary school to middle school, do you remember that jump? I always look at that jump as being so hard. So the difference, I guess, between you and like, you don't really mention having like a, a group of friends, but my group of friends were kind of from the neighborhood. Um, so like mm -hmm. Ray Campion and Mike Mayall and, and the group of friends that, that spawned from, from like that Amber Ambler crew. But then when you get yeah. to, to middle school, every year you're switching to a new pod. And I yes. never really had classes or pods with friends. And so for me, it was really, really hard to make any connections. But for you, that's when you talked about you meet Jess. But in general, what was it like kind of jumping without really having a core group? Mm. Um, sixth grade was really hard. Like just one of those really difficult, I think like emotionally around that sixth grade time frame, like you just lose your shit, right? Oh, sorry. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> you're a mess. <laughs> you're a mess. And so, you know, how do you, how do you figure you out while you're trying to figure everybody else out so you can make friends, right? And then your teachers literally go from elementary school teachers, which are kind of like super babysitters mm -hmm. to like, real teachers where you're starting to have these like big projects. And, um, I definitely was not good at school in the beginning, like, um, really? that time frame. 
oh my gosh, I struggled in reading. I've really struggled in math and science. And so getting embarrassed in class just compounds like all of that, you know, oh, angst. The reading aloud, like, why don't you pick, oh. Jen, why don't you pick up from, from page 26, paragraph two, and now everyone's yeah. looking at you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's some like, like, crazy SAT word that's like 12 syllables long that you have to then sound out like a moron. Yeah, it's great. Really great for confidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is utter torture to kids and it should never be done. It should be outlawed in my opinion. Um, but so we lived on a four lane highway. So you know what the William Penn Inn is? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 202 and Summitown Pike is the William Penn Inn. We lived on that four lane highway. So we were not in a neighborhood. Oh, wow. So there was no like, you know, riding your bike or like walking down the street. Somebody was like, we didn't like walking across the street to get the mail was, you know, taking your life in your hands. But I had Jeff Marcico behind me. I was going to say Jeff did the podcast last month and he talked about living I, right there. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff lived behind me. And then next to us were, um, started with an A. Did he say who it was? Austin's. Do you remember the Austin's? No. Tim. Tim, Andrew, and Vicky Austin. No, these are new they names. Were in, yeah, they were in Wissickin for a little bit. I want to say they were pulled out and put back in a couple of times. Okay. Um, but we would go over their house and hang out. We had this like cutout in the fence, you know, that, like you think your mom and dad don't know about and you like yeah. scooch under the fence to like go hang out. And then of course you find out 15 years later, they knew all along where you they, were because, you know. They let you do it. They, yeah. It's the one thing they were letting you do. I know, letting me do. She quit her job to go to high school with me. Like, she definitely knew there was a hole in the fence. <laughs> yeah, she goes, she, gosh, she's climbing under a hole in the fence like the dog. I've got I've to gotta work where she's going to school. <laughs> Look at this kid. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame her. Um, but we would hang out with them every once in a while. But we all had the same problem. We didn't, we were like no neighborhood kids, like those kids. Yeah, I you know I growing up in Ambler, I I really didn't realize until I started talking to other people who grew up kind of in that area, and it was always like so many of their stories are my parents would drive me to so and so's house, or so and so yeah. would drive them to our house, and yeah. my social world, you know, living in South Ambler was walking down the street to to so-and-so's house or playing in the street yeah. or playing in the abandoned grass lot down the street where we all played football and, you know, got tackled yeah. on a tree stumps or, you know, we walked to our, to our bus stop and we had Butler Pike as like our, our main yeah. drag and all sidewalks and shops. And, um, yeah. and then like, you know, yeah. it's just all very residential and we could ride our bikes and, and really do anything that we wanted outside until the street light came on. So yeah, yeah. that was so much of my social world, which is interesting, like that you didn't have a big group because it is all kind of like you have to really initiate it versus your parents say you have to go outside and play like you have to make friends. Right. You have to do something. So you know, put the Nintendo down and go walk outside and you know play yes. football with people. And it was very forced. And, and I don't know. I still crave that to this day. Like I always have problems with like these these communities where like there's no one outside and no one's having no. fun because it just it just makes me think that I would never have friends in this era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. But the kids that had neighborhoods, I was always jealous of. Um, Amy Jaskowiak and I 
hung out for a little while, a couple of years. We were, we were good friends. And across the street lived Tristan Goodell. Yeah. You know Tristan? Yeah. So we would go, I, my parents would drive me over there, right? Drop me off. And I want to say that was a house that I was allowed to like stay overnight, maybe like two nights in a row or something. And it was like mind blowing. Like we would go out front and like climb the tree and like Tristan would be there and be like, whoa, yeah, another friend. Like, this is incredible. We're like multiplying friends because we live in a neighborhood. This is so cool. We used to go over and do, um, oh my gosh, can we remember this? Do you remember Ace of Base? Oh, of um, course, the sign, all that she wants. The sign. Yeah, 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 whatever one was about the fox, something like shooting the fox or the, fo- I don't know, whatever it was. Mm. Um, we like learned this dance and we were like, let's go show Tristan the dance. So we like went over to his house and like showed him the dance. It was so amazing and very different than what we did at my house. Right. We would like <laughs> watch ourselves in the mirror dancing around. Yeah. It was a good time. The neighborhoods are something to be said. We actually moved. Um, when, when my husband and I got together, we per- bought a house. He didn't grow up in a neighborhood either. We bought a house in a neighborhood, like acre plots, right? There were like, I don't know, 30 houses or something. And we thought like, this is going to be it. We're going to like, just grow as people and find so much value out of like our day by like waving to the neighbors or like, Hey, you want me to pull your trash cans up for you? <laughs> and we were there for like eight years and we're like, we need to get the hell out of here. <laughs> way too much responsibility to talk to people you almost start to feel like obligated to remember people's names and like i'm terrible at names so every time you go out (laughs) every time you go outside no matter what the no matter what the mood is people want to wave and yeah that's right i i'm i'm you know it's funny given all the things that i already talked about you know i live in the city i live in south philly i've been here for almost a decade now and I'm the same way where like, I like being outside and I like like waving to people and talking to people in the neighborhood. But then like, there's other times when I, I come out my door and I go the opposite way because I don't want yeah. anyone to see me. I don't want to, it's like, I'm just trying to go to the right aid real quick. I don't want anyone to like, I don't want to socialize. And so I just turn my yeah. back and go the, the, the quiet way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you've been there for a decade, you've now seen like little kids like grow up, right? Like grow into like maybe young teens. Don't they mm-hmm. all look like they're five? I feel like these kids nowadays that are just be like teenagers look like they're so young. So I live in a weird area where while I have neighbors, I don't really know them exactly because I live yeah. in a shopping district. Oh, so nice. It's cool. It's very cool. So the people that I see more, more so are the workers, the people that like mm. set up shops on the, on the sidewalk and people, you know, like I, I live around butchers and, and pasta shops yeah. and stuff like, so the biggest thing for me, which this is sad considering like you're looking at such a human view of it. And I'm looking at like, boy, I don't remember what this shop used to be six years ago. What was this before it turned into a plant-based you know, cafe. What what the hell did it used to be? Remember the, the homeless guy used to like sleep in the little corridor there? And like, those are the kind of like, as time goes by things that go through my mind here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of the things that I noticed, like in the neighborhood, we were there for eight years. So, you know, you saw these kids that were young when we moved in, grow into these teenagers and are like graduating high school. And I look at them and I think, Okay, first of all, I was way older than that when I graduated high school. You know, you felt like you were like 
so you were 30 years old when you graduated high school because you knew everything that there was. You had your life planned out like you got this. Mm-hmm. Now I look at these kids and holy moly, they're so young, Brad. How do they go out and survive? You know, they're like two. The biggest thing, you know, I used to see a lot was going to festivals and I had to stop going to the mm-hmm. Made the Made in America Festival, which is the Jay-Z festival that happens at the art museum uh, yeah. every year. And I went like maybe the first three or four years um, yeah. and I had to stop going because one of the craziest things was that it was all kids and mm-hmm. everyone was. And that's where I really saw like how much older. And at that point, I was probably 30, 31, 32 um, yeah. realized like how much older I was than all these other kids here who are getting shit faced on Budweiser tall boys because it's sponsored by yeah. Budweiser and they're all, it's when the cutoff shorts were really making a comeback where like the whole butt cheek yeah. is hanging out and yeah. you look around and you just see these kids passed out in the grass, making out with their boyfriends and you go, Oh, this is the only way for them to get out of the house and kiss their, their boyfriends or girlfriends. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm too fucking old to be here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. (laughs) Just lock in on Jay-Z. Just lock in on Jay-Z. Pay no attention to anything else going on. That's when I really started realizing like the difference in youth. And when I go back to like watching, you know, I watch old wrestling. I'm a big wrestling fan. And so I I go back and watch old wrestling from like right now, 1997 is what I'm watching. And that was the start of high school. That was ninth grade. And I think back and I go, and I haven't seen this stuff since it aired since I think I'm 14 when this was coming out. Like, and I can't even remember it. But when I think about my, when I would think about myself previously in high school, I thought I saw myself as like this big kid, 14 years old. I'm fucking grown. I know everything. I'm I'm talking shit to this guy and to this guy and, 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 you know, putting on this persona because I really thought I was like basically, basically an adult. And when I think yeah. back now to a, a four, if I were to look at a 14 year old, big like, man, get out of here. Like, you don't, you don't know anything. Right. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's amazing that like we've come as far as we have, you know, knowing as little as we did. I mean, the world is extremely different now. So, you know, I look at the kids nowadays and I wonder, you know, how they're going to forge ahead, you know, and gosh, we struggled with things because that's the era that we grew up in. They're going to struggle with different things. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how they turn out, how we turn out. You know, I'm thinking about uh, our kids right now. We're thinking about putting them in uh, private school instead of public school. You know, we, we went through public school. Mm-hmm. Look, we turned out fine. Um, you know, less. but <laughs> public school is different. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah. or less. It's perspective, right? Yeah. Exactly. Or less. yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, I think to myself, gosh, like, do you want to protect them and put them in a bubble or do you want to like thrust them into it and like give them the scars, but like that eventually make them stronger, you know, and I didn't go to private school. So I just have, you know, the fluffy, it's a bubble type of, you know, thought that maybe that's what it is, but gosh, I don't know how to, how to guide kids through growing up. Well, what about, what, what do you think it was then about public school that gives you pause to let your kids go through that system? Yeah. So the mass first thing, right? Like there's very little control. Um, and we, oh, the mass thing was a real challenge last year. My kids were kids that had like, you know, 
they got really rough around the back of their ears. Um, my youngest has some learning challenges. And so from a speech perspective, she was really inhibited in her speech therapy. She had trouble speaking to her teachers because she was masked, you know, and nobody could see anything. And so it was a real challenge last year. They do sports. They had to wear masks while they were doing sports. My oldest had a couple of like overheating, you know, spells and it was a real challenge and they're young, right? They're in right. kindergarten and second grade this year. So, you know, so I wonder, gosh, do they have to wear masks again? You know, another year of this, are we stinting their education opportunity? Are we stinting their, you know, their personal growth or emotional growth? There were no friends made last year because they were six feet apart. They weren't allowed to play on the playground together. And we live in Tinicum. So it's, have you ever heard of Tinicum? No. <laughs> That's way up there. So, uh, we go to this tiny little school. There's like, you know, 15 people in their class, but half of them were virtual last year. So it was just a really hard year. And so my understanding is that private schools have more flexibility. They don't necessarily have to follow state rules when it comes to the mask mandates. Sure. And so the flexibility there, you know, I think is important. Um, I've been doing some of uh, some reading on how we learn as humans, right? And sort of why people have great memories and why people have really bad memories. And my understanding is that you have to be taught how to learn. You actually have to be taught how to memorize versus just putting flashcards in front of somebody and saying, learn this word, right? And I don't think public school teaches how to learn. I think they teach memorization. <laughs> and so some of these private schools have very specific curriculum that is based on how to learn methodologies for, you know, they use all kinds of fancy names for it, you know, and so my kids are young, like, gosh, don't I want to teach them how to learn versus memorization? So a couple of things that we're weighing out here. Tell me your thoughts, because I just got like a big thing from you. Tell me what you're thinking. Well, one of the one of the big things for me, like the themes of this show, besides, you know, with regrets as far as not dating, not getting to not getting to go to parties, um, is the yeah. fact that I didn't know how to study. I didn't know how to learn. And when I think back to how classes were taught, um, so many of our classes were writing on the board or writing on the transparency sheet and literally just writing Roman numeral one, European yeah. world history, letter A, yeah. uh, this empire, uh, yeah. number one, this war, lowercase a, and you have just this giant notebook of these outline notes and the, the teacher's talking, but I'm focusing more on the obsession of getting my outline looking right. And sometimes I would like want to rewrite it. So it will look better and, and like having the right pen or pencil and like making yes. sure my notebook looked good, but I wasn't paying attention to the actual concepts that were being discussed or somewhat talked about, or really just more so recited. And when yes. I meet people who are very academic, um, you know, the Lizzie blacks and the page millers and, and people like that, one of the biggest things that I would ask them is how did you study? What was the method? Compound that with the fact that my friends were not very academically, academic first students. A lot of my friends, especially coming through high school, were work with their hands, went to tech school. So they left was they left the school halfway through the day and were doing like trade stuff. And I was the one that was like, oh, well, I have to go to college. That's what I that's what's in my head. Um, and so I was taking classes all day long and I didn't have anyone to like call up. And because the answer with a lot of people is like, oh, well, we had study groups. We would hang out. We would 
like learn this stuff and we would do it for hours. And and I didn't have anyone to like help instill that, nor did I have like a competitive nature to be like, Oh, you, you got an A in that I've got to get better. Or can you help me get better? I just, that was just like, whatever, what class are you in? You got to see, yeah, I got a B minus. Like we made it, you know, that. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about like the, you know, the ability just memorizing, not only I didn't have the want to want to memorize, nor did I have the skill to ever learn. Whereas now I almost wish I could go back and take some of those classes again, because I feel like I would retain the information so much better. Yes. Yes. I mean, and, and let's be honest, are we ever going to have to know, you know, complex trig? Probably not because I'm going to have an iPhone probably embedded in my head at some point (laughs) in my life. But the reality is like, there's so much aside from the actual material that builds confidence in school. And I think that that confidence is the foundation of later success, right? Like you deal with some really difficult things after school. And the whole point of school is to lay the foundation of how you approach a problem, right? How do you work through a problem or plan the problem, right? And then like, once you solve that problem, what happens next? Like, is there a follow-up? Is there a follow-through? Like, is there a next step that you're then planning for? Like, that's sort of how I see school. It's how I see being a parent too, right? My job is to prepare these kids to be functioning members of society, mm-hmm. not to make sure that they, you know, remember trig. It's just right. not that. And so if I could go back like you, teach myself how to learn. It wouldn't necessarily be to get the A, but it would be to have the confidence to take the test so that no matter what grade I had, I was happy with it, right? That's what you want. Like I want to like build myself up in high school. So it didn't take so freaking long after high school to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point. Like teaching how to deal with things, you know, once you get home and just, it, it kind of all trickles down. I never really learned a lot of problem saving or problem solving skills. And and maybe that's things that your parents teach you. And I just, you know, I missed out on, on maybe that aspect from, from my mom and definitely from my dad. But I yeah. remember just like, everything was like, wait till the last minute. Don't worry about it till, till it's due the anxiety and panic of, Oh my God, that's next period. And that was with yeah. everything in life, you know, that I, that I was doing, you know, from extra, from doing like musicals and not working on, you know, not working on, on uh, choreography or, or whatever, and, and not doing homework while I was in rehearsal and then having to do it at like yeah. nine, 10 o'clock when I got home and then just going screw it and then just not doing it. And then, the end of the marking period comes and you're like, shit, I might have a C or D if I don't go talk to this teacher and like figure this out. Like just problem solving in life in general, I felt like I was out to lunch and maybe that's more of a kid thing. Kids are always in a fog and a daze, but again, I thought I had me figured out back then. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And what about like even the social aspect, right? Like the social piece of, of school, like I almost, Nowadays, you see teachers stepping in very quickly. You see parents stepping in very quickly to like solve a problem for kids. Like I felt like when we were in high school, like you fought that shit out. Like you figured it out. You cried in school. You got embarrassed. Sometimes you got tripped in the hallway. Sometimes you get your finger smashed. Like it is what it is, but you learn from that. You learn how to face adversity or how to, you try to learn from it, right? Like you've got to like, you got to be like, the shit some days and it just is what it is so that later in life like you know how to be the dog right like just it is <laughs> I, I learned like how um I I get a, I get some flack a lot of times on this show because um 
I, I think I, I always, I'm harder on myself than people remember. And so I'm always mm-hmm. like, oh, I had, I had these problems and I had these problems. And people are like, dude, you did like, I didn't think that about you or no one thought that about you. And it's like, okay, like 20 years later, it's all nice. But like, I remember back then, like I had issues with kids and, yeah. and, and stuff, but like, I didn't feel like, yeah, I didn't feel like I had those tools to navigate through until after the fact. And I felt like I felt the effects of, you know, being an abrasive kid. Um, And I saw other people um, that I wasn't connected to have like bad outcomes. Like this is so random, but I'll never forget watching an episode of Real World in Austin right after like high school. And there was a kid who got in a bar fight on the show and he breaks his cheekbone. And that was the moment that I realized like, oh, my God, we're like grown men now. It's not like, you know, getting a fight with RJ Smythe in the bathroom and he's going to like try and punch you and you're like, oh, whatever. Like if a, if a 19, 20 year old punches you in a fight, you might break your face. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be. And so it was like, so what, how do you get away from that? It's like, oh, you just can't engage. You just can't engage because you don't know where it will lead. You have to be able to remove yourself and just no matter how, who cares how embarrassing it is. I don't want to have a broken face for six months. Like you have to do everything you can to just remove yourself. And I falter at times like that, but it took me seeing the effects or like you could go to jail for, for doing something or it took seeing what the effects happen as an, as an adult, once you turn 18 and how bad that can get for me to go, Oh, I don't want to go all the way in that direction. Even though I'm not a badass, I could put myself in situations where I can be perceived as putting off that bravado, like a peacock and, Oh, come try me, motherfucker. And that's not, that was not what I wanted for an outcome. Right, right. It's your bullseye right on your cheek right there. You act like that, right? It's so messed (laughs) up that that stays with me. Yeah, no, it's good. This is your moneymaker. You can't be messing with that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I know it. It's amazing. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, what's it like for like a girl like dealing? Did you deal with you talked about like tr- being tripped in the hall or or things like that? Yeah. Like, are there like what kind of conflicts did you have just interacting yeah. in school? Yeah. So um, I think the most physical that it ever got. And this is like nothing. So don't be on the edge of your seat here. But for me, it was like, right. Um, I was at the lunch table sitting next to, I don't know, somebody. And do we name names? Like, can yeah. I name names too? Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the rule, yeah, the rule I always like to give, like, where I try and be fair to everyone, if it's your yeah. story and it happened to you, say whatever yeah. name you want. It's your memory. If it's like, oh, yeah. I remember this happened to so-and-so. If it's kind of unsavory, I might take it out or I might take the name out just so that that yeah. person's like, hey, I wish my story wasn't put out there. But if it happened to you, feel free. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so sitting at the lunch table and we were like all packed in, right? And I don't know who I was sitting next to, but Carolyn Rossler wanted my spot. And she came over and said something like, get out of my spot or move over. And I said, no. And she pulled my hair, but like yanked my hair, but like, like backwards, like, and so there's that moment, Brad, right? Where you're, first of all, I was immediately in tears, right? Like I am so like upset about what happened. And then it's the embarrassment, right? So everybody saw it happen. Everybody saw my hair get yanked back. And so then number three is what the hell do you do? Like, what, am, what you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a conflict person. 
I did take martial arts, but like, what do I do? What's the appropriate? I don't want to get in trouble. So there's this like compounding effect, right? Where as a kid, it almost is overwhelming. And I laughed, I got off up off the table, laughed. She sat down in my spot and I went up to the library to my mom. <laughs> I was like, mom, this is what happened. And God love her. She says, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said, well, will you go talk to her? And she said, no. You go talk to her. <laughs> and I thought, oh man, like this is it. Like this is the moment, right? The, the learning moment. What do you mean? If you're not going to do it for me and I don't want to be treated like that, I guess I got to go say something, you know? And the whole way downstairs, I was like rehearsing, you know, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Should I pull her hair back? Should I push her? Should I put her head in her food? Like, what's the best way to do this? Yeah. Should I just pick up my tray and go somewhere else, you know, and remove myself for this, from this situation? And I tapped her on the shoulder and said, don't ever touch me again. That was my spot. And I walked away and I thought, okay, at least I stood up for myself. And it was the first time, Brad, that I thought, okay, nothing bad happened. Nobody laughed at me. She didn't come after me. And it's that like tiny little incremental win that started to like build some confidence. But, you know, a girl in high school doesn't get into a fist fight very often. It's more that passive aggressive underlying, like, oh, her jeans are not cute, you know, or I did a bunch of sports in school, but I always felt like I was chubby, you know? So every time somebody said something about my outfit or about the way that I looked, it always came back to the insecurities that I had. Yeah, It's almost as a girl, it's the internal fight that you have with yourself and, you know, the, the challenges that you're trying to overcome that high school, you know, layers on, right? Like there are triggers around you, but it's your issues that at least for me, were probably the biggest to overcome. Not necessarily because I was a girl, but I didn't hang out much. Right. So I hear that a lot. Like the, and that's why I'm always so curious with, with girls, like what that that's like, because for me, it was so much more your first situation that you mentioned where a confrontation, you know, arises and it escalates like that. And yeah. exactly the steps that exactly like every stage you talk about, right. Of like that embarrass that shock. And then, like realizing you've been like attacked and you almost like you want to start crying and then you realize everyone's <laughs> looking, everyone saw it. And I think where I differ is I, you took a pause. I wouldn't take a pause. I would see everyone looking like, what are you going to do? And I would feel that pressure to, all right, what, what do you want to do? And now next thing you know, you know, I'm punching Mike Mickles in the middle of science class and he's, Mike you know, Mickles. And he's oh making, yeah. and he's making my jaw crack for the rest of my life. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh oh like those. I, I never had that ability to take that pause and figure it out. And I definitely wouldn't have. I never even had those conversations with like my mom to say like, "Here's what you need to do," and here's. I would just like, and maybe it's because it's like the the. It's more of like that son mother relationship is very different than like I think a daughter mother um but yeah i would just i would meet aggression with aggression and yeah. i could see myself just being like i can't walk down to that girl who just pulled my hair or in my case that guy that just pushed me out of my seat and tap him and stand my ground because in my mind we're gonna fight at that moment yeah yeah okay so i have to tell you something though i definitely am jealous of the people that don't have to stop and think about a situation for better or worse. I have to stop and like 
I gotta think through a situation before I act or I bite my tongue when I'm trying to say something smart ass to someone. Like it's just comes off as like really bad. I'm always better after the fact. Um, I'm jealous of the people, my husband's like that. He like out of the gate knows exactly what to say. He's always got the retort. Like he's always got like, you know, and I've, I've always thought to myself, gosh, I wish I could just react the right way or the wrong way. Like I wish I could like, you know, not have to run upstairs to like think about it before I come downstairs and, you know, stand my ground. Like, why can't I do that right away? It has, it has pluses and minus. You have to be instinctive. And I think with low stakes, I'm, I'm very good with that. Or in, in helping, if someone calls me with a problem, I'm really good at like asking them. And I think it's because like, I do probably because like I do video and, and like talk to like clients and like, okay, what are your pains and what are you trying to do? And what do you want to get out there? Who do you want to see these things and stuff like that? And I can, so if someone calls me, Hey, this just happened. All right. Like, where did it happen? Like, what are you, what is your problem here? What's the best thing that you're hoping for? Here's how I would go about it. Or here's three other options. Um, it's rare. I can do that for myself in a logical sense. Like another thing that people always tell me when I'm talking about things on the podcast and usually like in the form of dating and is that I overthink everything because now I do try and weigh my options and I do try and like put myself in the best light or the best position to, to get something done. And sometimes, like you said, you want to just have that instinctive response or be able to handle it a little bit more naturally than having to like pre-program your steps out And I fall into that much more now as an adult when it doesn't, when it has to do specifically with me and especially when it's like medium to high stakes. And I kind of regret that now, but knowing how I used to react and knowing how I can react sometimes and, you know, work emails are like one of those things where like I I would get, (laughs) I'm not in the corporate world right now because I, I realized how much I don't belong. But man, when I was in an office and I was on, if you sent like a group, if you sent an email to and I was on it, like that reply all was like the worst thing in the world for me because I would read something and go, I feel like we already talked about this. I need to let them know that they're like letting letting me down as a team member and like oh I'm disappointed God. in their lack of comprehension. And I would like start to write out the email and I'm looking at this and I would go, this ain't the one to send, Brad. Just del- you already wrote it, delete it. Or I would send it to like one person that was a support member. And I would say, yeah. hey, here's kind of what I'm thinking. Can you just like take the, it's in Brad speak. Can you clean it up and send it out? <laughs> Look at you growing up. Good for you. <laughs> but that's after years of realizing that, hey, you know, people find you somewhat abrasive from time to time. Like, really? <laughs> Me? All I said, oh, I just told the guy to go fuck himself. What? What's, you can't handle that? Yeah, what? Come on. <laughs> but you know, my parents were like abrasive people. My dad was a very aggressive person. My mom's a yeller. Like my fa- I come from a family of yellers. So it's almost like, you know, you, you scream and you yell and that's how you like hurt someone's feelings. And then you get over it. That's what I was so used to. So it's like, that was like yesterday. Isn't he over that? Like, let's go, let's make money. Let's do yeah. this. Yes. Yes. Isn't it amazing? Like, uh, and again, I harp and I harbor feelings. That's something that like I'm working on to like, just get over yourself, Jen. Um, Cause everybody else already is, but that is something that's really hard to do. And it's again, like, let's go back to high school. Like, gosh, I remember, like, I can physically feel like the belly clenching that happens when you said something really fucking stupid in class, right? Like, re- like 
and you're immediately like, oh gosh, I'm never going to forget this moment. 20 years later, I can still feel the embarrassment. Like I still start to sweat. Like it's like I was going to say, start really sweating. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't ever, it doesn't ever go away, you know? And those are the foundations. Like those are the foundations that I don't know, make us better or worse growing up. Right. Well, we definitely remember and hopefully learn from them. Spoken like a, a, a true guidance counselor right there. <laughs> learn from your mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. <laughs> You said that you you started off not being like very a great student, um, but you got better. Um, what was your like in school? What was your your subject or your 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 te- your favorite teacher? Or what what were you really like kind of honing in on or doing really well with? Um, gosh, I just remember school being so difficult. Um, you know, Mr. Landis in uh middle school right for science yeah i left his class and i always thought to myself this is the most interesting subject i've ever had like this is really really interesting and so for a long time i wanted to be um, a biologist until i realized how much schooling that requires and no no that's not what i do today (laughs) suffice to say um so i was never good at science or math ever um English in general, I'm a, I'm a much better reader. So I'm a good reader. Um, I really enjoy writing. So from a architectural perspective, like sentence structure and learning the names of the words and all that stuff, I was terrible at, but I could write a story, you know, and I could write um, pretty well. I could read pretty well, comprehend. So I would say from a school perspective, reading and writing was probably something that I was good at. Um, the rest of it just sucked. The rest of it was so hard. Like, remember we had to memorize the to be or not to be soliloquy? I don't even know. It was like seventh grade or eighth grade. Like the no. entire freaking paragraph. Like, like Romeo like and Juliet? Difference. Yeah, you were probably absent that day or that week. Um, but yeah. Well, <laughs> we was that off of like the craze? Was that off of the craze of the Leo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet that like was probably just coming oh. out? I'm sure it was. If I was that teacher, I would totally be obsessed with that movie at the time. So I understand if that was the case. I feel like that was. This paragraph. I, well, I feel like that was definitely like the end of the school year video that like like yeah. last day. That's with with. I feel like we would watch The Sandlot or Romeo and Juliet. Yes, <laughs> and they could not be more different. <laughs> like the gunfighting and the killing and the stabbing yes. versus the sandlot with the baseball yes. <laughs> and the dog. <laughs> yeah. But everyone liked the kid yeah. in that. Everyone liked, uh, like the, the, the jet Vinny, the jet, Vinny everyone the jet. liked, uh, That's like the, right. the star player. I remember that being like a switch where it's like, Oh, I thought we're all watching this funny movie. And then this, that kid comes on and everyone's like, Ooh. And I was like, what are we, yeah. are we paying attention <laughs> to different stuff now? What, what happened? What are we doing? What are we doing now? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, movie days were the best. I wish we had movie days at work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be pretty gay. And I guess we could probably just take some time off, but it just doesn't work like that anymore, you know? Movie days are so good because you could do whatever. It wasn't just about watching the movie, right? Like you could also pass notes or talk to your buddy or. Mm, yeah, but I. Um... I look at those as like just the wasteful days. Those are the type of things I look at and I would just go like, man, so much of school was arbitrary and wasteful uh, that I I almost like resent it taking my time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. When did you and Pat start dating? Jeez Louise. 
I want to say it was in middle school. Wow. Maybe eighth grade. And he called me. I don't even know how he got my number, but he called me. School and you know, it was like an old. That's right. The school directory. Jeez, they don't even do those anymore. No, because kids are creeps now. The school directory. Dude, I have not thought about that like weird bound. Like, oh, yeah, that was so fun. So I'm upstairs in the bedroom and it's the phone that like it's like the cordless, you know, like one of those guys way back then. And uh, he says, is Jenny there? And I remember going, yeah, this is Jenny. And he's like, it's Pat Emery. I wanted to know if you wanted to hang out. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like didn't get that it was a date. Yeah, oh yeah, that sounds good. I think I had to ask my mom, but you know, I wrote down his name. I wrote down his phone number and uh, and that was it. The rest was history. I think we got wow. together for like a movie or pizza and and then for the rest of high school. Do you remember like middle school through? Yeah. Do you remember like what made it um, so, I guess, permanent? Because, you know, in middle school, especially, and even the beginning parts of high school, a lot of kids have talked about kids, classmates who are kids then talk about like the maturity level and, and yeah. not being able to, I was certainly at that, at that point, not being ready to date, not being able to date, but if they were even in a, in a situation to date, the relationship was so, um, uh, early stages of just like locker boyfriend and girlfriends. Like I said, you know, Oh, I dated so-and-so and so-and-so, but it wasn't real. It's like, so what does that mean? Well, in between periods, we would like see each other in the, at our lockers and like, but then I would go home and, and not talk to anybody. Like what made it so yeah. much different that um, you guys actually stay, it was like a real relationship and you actually ended up staying together through all of high school. <laughs> so so I've never really thought about it, but if I had to right now, I think Pat had the same, um, I'm not going to call it friendship challenges, but sort of the same mentality that I had where he didn't have a strong group of guys that he hung out with. And so would have pulled him away from, you know, a monogamous relationship. Um, my parents thought very highly of his parents and I think vice versa. So I think the level of respect that parents have for each other makes it easier to, you know, attend your child to one of the other households. It's just safe. Yeah. Um, I think, and this is not a knock on Pat at all. My level of insecurity probably made it so I wasn't looking or I didn't think that there'd be an opportunity to find another boyfriend if I had changed my mind about being in a relationship with him. Um, I think we had some like big firsts together. <laughs> <if you will. laughs> right. And so like a lot of those like are, you know, foundational like building and so super fun. And you wonder if anybody else knows how to do those things. So you're like, well, I just better stay with this one because he knows how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and for a long time, like we just were friends, like we did everything together. And so we continued to like build a foundation of friendship along with relationship. And it wasn't until about, we started planning for college. So his mom and dad were very academic, both teachers. Um, my parents, like you, nobody in my family had ever gone to college before. So I remember saying to my mom, as we were talking about colleges and, you know, where do I apply? Like, I don't even know what I want to do. Like, where do I apply? And she's like, eh, got me. 
you know, and how many should I apply to? I don't know. You know, and I remember saying to her, I wish you were like Pat's parents. Like you could at least like guide me through this. Like I'm going to go talk to them. And when I tried to do that, like they didn't, they didn't know who I was. So, you know, like they didn't know me, like my mom, mm-hmm. whatever. And so the type of guidance that I got from them was very much focused on Pat. And so Pat had this plan and Pat had like where he was going to go and what he was going to do. And I almost started to feel like I was, um, burdening him or I was going to like anchor him down. And so like, there's just this divide that started, at least for me, like it started to feel that way. And I think maturity plays into it as well, right? Like we grew up together. And so for a long time we were going like this together, but it's all of a sudden, you know, you start to mature in different ways. And, um, about, I think it was senior year, right. Cause we were homecoming together, whatever that was, that was about the time where we started splitting up and he, I think he said that he had a crush on somebody else, or I heard that he had a crush on somebody else. And I was like, devastated. And so that was like the end of that. Um, But you know what? I haven't stayed in touch with him. I've only seen him on Facebook, you know, and it's one of those like fond memory type of relationships, right? And friendships too. I don't see Jess Lauer as much as I wish I saw her. You know, we're just distance wise, very different, um, different places like Scott Beck, you know, Gody and Ryan Dunn and I, every once in a while, have this like text string going. I miss all those people. They're like such foundational relationships, but you know, it's okay that we're not around each other anymore. Do you feel like that? Like, it's okay. Even though you were great friends then it's okay. Like that you don't see each other now. I, uh, part of like this show being, you know, we weren't friends in high school is that I'm yeah. talking to people that I consider that I wasn't friends with. And and kind of the rules of that is like, we didn't, we couldn't have known each other's parents or been to each other's houses. And that's so many people, yeah. but for the ones that I, I do consider myself friends with and, and haven't had like some sort of falling out or specific reason why we don't talk. I think I do often still struggle with like that definition of friends. And oh, I wish yeah. that we were involved in each other's lives more, or I wish that um, you know, I wish that we kept in touch in more than text messages and, and those things. Yeah. But then there's also like the reality of, you know, maturity and, and you can't hold on to keeping things the exact same, um, because it will, it will kind of hold you back at times if, yeah. you know, if you, if you hold on to those types of things. So that's something like with just getting older, um, I think I've come yeah. to like, I've always realized it, but I think I've come to accept and be okay with it a little bit more. Yeah. Agreed. And then, you know, the new friends, right. There's always new people in your life that are coming and going. And, um, you know, it's always interesting when we meet somebody though, I still think to myself, gosh, he acts just like so-and-so, you know what I mean? Like you always see like the traits, there must only be so many types of people out there because how often do you bump into someone and you're like, Oh snap. Like that is such, you know, the way that my, whatever used to do it. It's just, uh, it's amazing. You ever like replace them as you replace them as like that type of personality in, in your life? Just like, oh, they remind me of this person. So I'm going to keep hanging out with them because like, I like this, like they gave me that feeling that this person used to give and like, great. That's now right. I got that back in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like, you're my Justin. Like, you know, this is like Maryland, Justin, not Pennsylvania, Justin. Yeah. Like it's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those poor people. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who I am for somebody. Mm. Cause you know, you're, you're that for somebody, right? Yes. Are you like the pain in the ass, like Pennsylvania Brad, or are you like the 
Brad they always wanted in their life in Pennsylvania. Yeah. I I often get that I'm like somebody's I think I'm like the loud funny guy to a lot of people. I I often get that I'm like I remind them of like their nephew. Like that's what like okay. older people always like, "Oh, you remind me exact you're exactly like my nephew so and so." And it's like, "Oh." Oh, that means that's like that's sweet. I mean, it's better than like, you know, you're like my pain in the ass boss. Like yeah. that's not what you want to hear no. from new friends. No. <laughs> um, you mentioned college. So, what were you? And you had said that you were really good at, at reading and writing. What did you think that you were going to do as you're like struggling to figure out this path of like getting out of high school? Where did you think you were? What did you think you were destined to do? in 11th, 12th grade as you're trying to figure that out? Go to college. Um, I had no plan other than go to college because I was told that I need to go to college. And so um, I applied to, I think two schools. Yeah. Um, that's it. And Which ones? Uh, Salisbury and Columbia. Um, it got into both. I was told from by my mom though, that I had a, um, what did you call it? A five hour radius around our house that um, I could go to college in. And Salisbury was closer to where my new boyfriend at this time lived. He lived in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. He was in the Marine Corps station down there. So oh, wow. I obviously went to Salisbury because it was closer to him mm. and I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do with my life. So whatever. And we had a house down here in Maryland. So after two years, it would have been in-state tuition. So every weekend I drove down to Jacksonville, North Carolina to see him. So it's like a nine hour drive every weekend back and forth. Wow. This is how I stayed out of trouble in college. Yeah. And, uh, and then when I got to college, took the first two years of gen eds, waited the two years to declare major. And um, I did business because it was super generic. Still didn't know what I wanted to do and uh, business marketing. And at that time they'd opened, I forget exactly what it was called, the school, but the newest major was conflict analysis, dispute resolution. It was basically mediation. Um, and so I decided to double major. And so business marketing and then CADR. And then I minored in photography because um, it was fun. And uh, wow, that's a very busy world, very busy life. Yeah. You know, it's one of double those, major, like, minor, full time boyfriend. Sounds, it sounds so good, right? And it just, it was what, happened to me versus like what I planned for, mm. um, which is sort of the story of my life. So get out of college, right? Still don't know what I want to do. Um, was looking in the papers because at the time there were still papers and indeed.com. And so Salisbury is on the Eastern shore of Maryland. So it's like way down there. It borders Delaware. So mm -hmm. lower Delaware there was a company called Adeco, which is a temporary staffing firm. And so I saw something in the paper for gosh, some sort of business management, or maybe it was the manager of something job. And I went to Adeco to interview for this job, walked in tiny little room. I'm in there with the manager of Adeco. We're going to this interview and she goes, if you want it, the position is yours. And I said, oh, well, we haven't really talked about the position. And she said, well, we've been talking about it. And Brad, what it was, was an, a manager, office manager job for a deco. So she thought I was interviewing for a job description that I didn't know was available. I thought I was interviewing for this job over here. 
but she had given me this role instead. And I was thinking to myself, okay, at least it's a job. And it's now five months after I've graduated college, I got to get some shit going here. So started the job there, met some folks from Verizon Wireless who I was hiring temporary you know, workers for the people that would sign you in, you know, would you like a new phone or would you like to add a line? Like those guys Yeah. hired those people. And I was actually also hiring, this is gross, uh, Purdue. So this is like the chicken capital of the world down here. Okay. Purdue's here, Mount Air's here, um, Allen's is here. And I used to hire chicken catchers and bone catcher or bone pickers. So yeah, the people that go into the chicken coop and like grab the chickens and stuff them into the, yeah, so gross. And then the people that like sit on the line and pick bones, I hired those people for Purdue. So there I am at this temp staffing firm. I've got a couple of clients doing this, that, and the other. And Verizon Wireless called and said, do you want to work here? Would you like to, you know, sell phones? And I thought, well, sure, like something different than this. So went over there. It was my first sales job. And it was mission-based. And I've realized in sales, the harder you work, the more you get paid. And so that was like this interesting concept. I'm a hard worker. And if I work just a little bit harder than everybody else, then I start to get like kickers, right? Then you start to make more money. And so then you get to like rise up the ranks. And so was at Verizon for a little while, decided to do outside sales because retail sucks started working for Staples. Um, they called me Staples contract division. So paper clips and post-it notes, baby. And uh, was very successful in that role. So like Dunder Mifflin? A, yeah, totally. Exactly like that. You're like competitor you know, to, to Dunder Mifflin. Weird boss and everything. Yeah, yeah totally. Totally. Um, and I was on the Eastern shore. So everybody down here is like, nobody comes down here. Like, this is not where big businesses go to thrive, but there are lots of small businesses here. And so it was a fairly kind of green landscape for sales. And so did really well here. I left there and for the last, well, since graduating, um, I've been in sales and so always done outside sales. And so I've been in this business to business sales role for a couple of different companies. I'm in software, healthcare software now. Oh wow! Um, but it's not what I went to college for. It's not what I ever would have expected. Um, procrastinator, right? And so sales is super organized. You've got to stay on top of your shit. You got to stay on top of your customers and your prospects and um, managed a couple of salespeople for a little while. And that's for the birds. I mean, I don't, I got my own problems, right? I don't need anybody else. Yeah. Everyone's a cowboy out on the road. Oh God. Yeah. So, and that's it. And, you know, I look back in my life and I think, geez, Louise, this is never where I expected to end up ever. But to your point, it's a happy place. Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, wow. That's so interesting that it took you, <laughs> it took you like that whole path. And it sounds like your, your skill set is more of like just communication. Like that's like, yeah, the conflict resolution piece um, is definitely helpful, right? Those like interpersonal skills um, yet a subject that should be in school as well, in my opinion, but that's what we all have to be able to do, right? Like not be afraid of hard conversations, not avoid conflict and sales is all conflict, right? Like, you got to align your products. You know, people don't want to talk to you because you're a sleazy salesperson. Like, so you got to figure out how to get around that. It's just like any other discussion, right? It's like politics. Like 
People avoid talking about politics because it's uncomfortable. Well, it doesn't need to be uncomfortable, right? But we right. have to have the skills and the respect for each other, just like I have with buyers, right? Like to align or to at least have a conversation and walk away as friends. Um, so I think, you know, that definitely, to your point, is something that I feel like I've probably been good at for most of my life. Yeah. Uh, avoiding conflict. Um, and then actually learning how to go through conflict, right, in um, in college. Look, if you remember, like you talking about that that issue with Carolyn, and and you know you getting that lesson right there, and the conflict resolution, and not yeah. backing down, but making it clear what what your you know what your hard line is, what your standards are, and move yeah. and leaving at that, and yeah. kind of you know letting things go as they are. That's like the that's yeah. the non sell sell. That's right. That is exactly, there's a book called that. No, yeah. <laughs> there should be at least. Um, yeah. And it's stuff that like, I don't know how your mentality is, but I like this idea of going with the flow, right? Like through life. And so when I mentioned it's things that have happened to me, right. maybe it's called like doors open, right? Like open doors, you walk through the open door. If you're getting beat over the head by life, it may mean you're on the wrong path, right? Like, so make a different choice. Right. And so these are all choices that sort of put themselves in front of me, I feel like. And I took the opportunity to walk through that door to like follow that. Mm. I've never been a planner. Every plan I think I've ever had, just I probably procrastinated <laughs> and didn't get it done. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of it kind of just went with the flow, you yeah. know, not that it was easy because I don't think anything in life worth having is easy, but you work for it. Um, I don't know. What about you? Like, did you go with the flow to get where you are? Uh, I guess so. You know, I went to Monco uh, after after high school, and I remember not really knowing what I was going to do. I thought I was prior to senior year. I thought I was going to go to college to do theater. I okay. thought I was going to like I'd spent like my whole childhood, you know, trying to be an actor and doing musicals yeah. throughout middle school and high school and. Um, I was trying to be like a child actor with like a manager when I was, you know, from the time I was like 11 uh, yeah. through middle school. And then, so that's what I thought it was, you know, that's what I thought my skill set was. And then I quit uh, the high school musical in senior year. I quit uh, My Fair Lady before it really got going. And mm. I, that kind of ruined like, okay, well, you're not going to theater. Um, but I joined TV lab. And I really fell in love with like the camera and directing and, you know, at the time was like Tom Green was a thing and Jackass was becoming a thing and kind of the, like this, this content, this self content creation where you own the content and before YouTube started, you know, you own the yeah. content, you create the content and then you just need to find a place to put it out. And at that time it was like, well, we have the TV network, you know, we had the yeah. closed caption was and channel. And I thought that would be like my, I thought that could, that was my outlet at the time. And so harnessing that was much, became much more of my, my interest than singing, dancing on stage. So when I went to Monco, I did video. Uh, I was a communications major and I did video and I also started doing radio on the college hmm. radio there. And I was talking wrestling uh, yeah. on, on college radio and shooting, you know, all different types of stuff for video um, on campus and, and, running like the closed caption TV show that ran on campus and organizing and to the point when, when I got to temple, um, after I, I did a transfer, a quarter core transfer after my associates, 
and went right into Temple, right into like all of my major. I didn't have any more core classes to take or prerequisites. I didn't have to take English or math or anything. It was just, and most people had never touched a camera at that point because you have to wait till your junior year. But because I was at Monco, I had been using cameras for two years. So it was like first step. It was like, no, no, I, I know what I'm doing. I know how to focus and zoom later. And I was yeah. just like, I was off to the, you know, off with, off to the horses. I don't know what the saying is, but some, <laughs> I was off, yeah, off to the races. Uh, I was off to the races with that. And so it was like super, it really clicked for me at that point. And I even had a sense of like storytelling it and what my sense of humor was that, you know, senior year is like, I want to shoot film. If I never do anything else in, in media, I want, I was a film major at Temple film and media arts. So like that was my, so I was taking like intense writing classes and, but at the same time, trying to learn everything altogether. I was, you know, taking editing classes and, at the same time in senior thesis for filmmaking. So I was shooting on, you know, on, on 30 millimeter uh, film or super 16, I think I was shooting on and like had a cinematographer and we had to take our film to NFL studios to be developed. And then we had to pay $200 an hour at, at uh, modern film and video in center city to get it color corrected. And so like I'm, I'm fundraising, I'm sending letters to my grandfather's friends, like, Hey, you may remember me from two years ago when I was hanging out during the Kentucky Derby and, and yeah. I'm, I'm in college and I need money for this. And then people are sending in $50, hundred dollars. And you're putting that to your budget. And that's what I did senior year to where it was like, I shot this short film and, um, and like a pretty good story. And I won a screenwriting award and, after that, I, I accidentally, like things happen, I accidentally got a job working for the <laughs> WWE. And wow. yeah, like writing TV for World Wrestling Entertainment, um, just oh, off of the fact that like I went to film school and, you know, had these skill sets. And after that was like a really like no man's land of like, okay, well, I've done that. What's next? And I wasn't a, an, a Hollywood person, wasn't an LA person. I tried it for like a summer and I came back like, no way. And it took me a while to like figure out until I realized like all those things that I've been doing since high school, I still had all those skill sets and yeah. the same premise still existed. You just have to find an outlet for yeah. your own content. And I mean, while I'm still doing video and audio and, and production for companies and businesses, here I am now creating my own content and just being so much more um, content with, yeah. with doing this than just like, you know, I've done the office thing where I'm just in an office making stuff for other people and having no outlet. But here I am now probably at my happiest professionally doing this, spending way more hours on doing this than I am for like my clients that I do other stuff yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but it, it took me all this time to really kind of find this and go like, no, like this is how you start something. And, you know, Jeff Pan had, was very eye opening and like the step from zero to one is the hardest. Yeah. And it took me all this time of like, trying and failing or trying saying, Oh, I'm not, that's not really my fit. That's not really my culture to just going like, no, you just need to do what you original, what the original passion was creating content and finding a place to put it out. And yeah. now I'm doing it. So how proud, like when you go through that whole, you know, history of your journey, like there's such pride. I mean, I can see it like as you talk about it, like and hum humble, they're quite humble about it, but there's such pride in like what you've accomplished. Cause like you said, it is so hard to get yourself, you know, kind of aimed in the right direction, let alone stepping forward. Right. And you have to overcome some things. There's some challenges, that, big challenges probably that you've had to overcome. You've got to look back on that and feel like, damn, I am good. 
you know what? There was a there was a time when like when I left WWE, got fired from WWE, which I talk about in Ryan Dunn's podcast episode. Yeah. Um, that I thought like I peaked. That was it. I peaked. Uh, I was writing TV for a show that was getting millions of viewers uh, a week. Yeah. I was traveling the country uh, in arenas with eight thousand people, you know, every day. Uh, yeah. Drinking on the road with John Cena. And just like living, you know, getting picked up in limousines and flying on a private jet with Vince McMahon. And like, this was like, and then like you get fired and you're just like, well, that's it. Like, maybe there's a retail job in my future. You know, that was, that's really like, especially like going out to Hollywood. So I, I think I'm more proud that even through, and there were like hard times, really hard times where you're trying to figure it out. Um, yeah you know, years where you're trying to figure out and you, and you remember what you were doing before. And that's why I say you feel like you peaked. Um, but I'm proud that I, like you said, when things happen and you have kind of these, I'd had this idea for this podcast for like years and not like this podcast has been like this mega, um, success in the terms of like, I'm not WWE or anything like that, but like, it's growing and I see the growth and the more people that find out and no one listens to the podcast and goes, man, this thing sucks. And so I think, you know, the thing that I'm like most proud of is that like, I, I kept honing my skills. I'm trying to make things better. My innovation is like at its highest right now that it's, it's, you know, the highest it's been since college. Um, And I'm proudest that, that I haven't allowed my skills to atrophy. I'm able to like, because when we were in college, digital didn't exist. Like I said, I shot my, I shot my, my senior thesis on film. The other option was videotape. When I got out, uh, when I came back from WWE, everything was on, was on tiny little SD cards like this, yeah. this is how we shot everything. And now you just put it into the computer and you drag your video file that didn't exist when I was in college at all. Right. So it was right, like right. a whole new world and it felt like collapsing. And now I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm actually a part of the, of the content creation community. Um, yeah. And that's what I think I'm proudest of is that no matter what the level of success is that I didn't allow myself to fall out. And now I'm yeah. like, I'm actually able to like do stuff with it professionally and use this as like a side thing of like, Oh, I do this regularly and I can do this for you over here. That's like what I'm, I think I'm proudest of. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then when you say that you felt like you peaked, do you still feel like knowing what you know now and the level of let's call it happiness that you have with what you do day to day now, do you still think that that was a peak? Was it yours? Was it somebody else's? It was a, mm, it was a peak. Mm-hmm. Only because of what it is, right? It's a billion dollar company. And no matter what little part I had in it, I still had some sort of a part in it for even yeah. as little time as I had, right? I was there for a year and a half, cup of coffee. Um, yeah. But I still had a piece in it that like can't be taken away. And for someone that grew up watching wrestling uh, and, you know, a bulk of my friends are wrestling fan. That's always something that it's like, it's like growing up in like, if you and your friends were huge Disney fans and you like, yeah you animated uh, the Lion King or, you know what I mean? Like you, you had a role in, in animation for the Lion King. It's like, you know, even if I'm, even if I, I, I don't do that anymore and I'm just drawing, you know, cancer cells for animation for a pharmaceutical company, I yeah. can still go back to that thing that I did 10 years ago and go, Hey, you know, I, I that's me there on the screen or, or I helped write that or yeah. th- those are kind of the things that I feel like, I don't know if I'll ever have anything like that again, yeah. but I wasn't happy. That wasn't like a happy job. And the thing that I always remember, the biggest thing probably my parents instilled in me is to love what you do. And I didn't love that. I loved being able to tell people about it, 
but yeah. I'm so much more comfortable and just happy with what I'm doing right now. I still have b- bigger things and frustrations with myself where I say, I want to take this further. I want to do more with this. I'm not there yet. Um, but I'm happiest, I think with this. So it's double sorted when you say like, did I peak professionally? I still think I did, but personal, yeah. personal, professional, I guess I still see now roads where I can reach higher and maybe that will lead to something more braggadocious than, Hey, I used to work for WWE. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, the successes that we have there, like, it feels like this, at least in my life. Right. And there's like multiple peaks, um, you know, where you think almost like, actually, maybe they're more like, like shelves, right. Where like, you thought you were going to go like really far. And then like that shit dropped off. Just dropped quick. off. It's like yeah. gone. Right. Yeah. And like, you're not, it's, it's gone, you know? So as I look forward, I think to myself, all right, I'm on this path right now. It's a pretty good path, but there's no, I mean, there's no rhyme or reason to what the next 10 years, 20 years, hopefully 40, 50 years is going to bring. Right. Cause as good as I thought I had it then and as bad as it could have been, you know, I mean, the future is we're gonna have to do this again, Brad. That's what I'm saying. We're going to have to do this again in 20 years. And you're going to be like, dude, how's that shelf? And I'm going to be like, it dropped off quick. Stay tuned <laughs> for the sequel, it. the sequel episode in 2040, in 2041, right. when we get back for a part two. God willing, we get there. Oh my goodness. What a crazy, what a, just a crazy world to look back and think we made it through celebrity deaths. We made it through 9-11. We made it through crazy presidents like we are just headed for this financial financial uh, crashing right right i mean you know and then all the personal things that happened right like you Mm -hmm. look back the last 20 years you got all kinds of shit in there you know and it's a pendulum so it's all the way over here now it's got to swing back well you know that's the thing as when things are like when you're in like a space like this like i think like okay things aren't that bad and i remember when i left wwe i was like what am i going to do and and as things weren't going the way i wanted in la you're just like oh this could be terrible but now like that i'm on the other side i i often say to myself like i feel like i could get a job doing anything i wanted to do if i just like work on my resume and my reel and i just put it out if like if i need to give this up and like go get a nine to five or a nine to six or whatever hours they work in in offices nowadays like i feel like if i had to do that i feel like i'm way more equipped today than i was 10 years ago when i was in stanford connecticut 100 100 if i could have any job in the world it would be and i basically have it it would be um a professional interviewer I love an interview, right? Like it's the beginning of something amazing. You got to do all kinds of research. You got to put your makeup on. You got to like get yourself like psyched up for it, right? You get to like meet somebody new. There's like this verbal sparring that has to happen, which has to end in a laugh or you're not getting the job. You know, like (laughs) there's like so much that like goes into this interview. I absolutely love it. I guess it's basically sales, right? Because you're selling yourself in an interview, but yeah, I'm with you. You got to like take it all in everything you learned because it just makes you a little bit better. And to be able to embrace that, to, to recognize that you do like that and to embrace, yeah. you know, enjoying that over the anxiety of every time you're doing an interview, essentially you're walking into a brand new situation that you can't yeah. control. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's good. Jeez. I guess I should be more nervous than I am. Well, remember, like you walk, like you start off, and you're like, "Oh, now I'm nervous." Now that I know you're recording, you're like, "I'm, I'm so nervous." Yeah. But then you talk about like you and en- you embrace 
kind of like, you know, building something new. But in reality, like your first thought was like, oh, shoot, here we go. Like we're on and you can't control it. It's similar to like people who do like stand up, right? People are like, people are like, oh, it's so nervous or some people can never do it. But then others are like, no, like, you, you know what I love? I love going out there and bombing. Then I can just like throw anything out there and like people and people have this skill set. I heard Chris Rock say one time, like, he's like, do you ever just bomb? And he goes, like, I, I tell jokes and like, it might be a bad joke, but like at this point of, of 30, 40 years in the game, like I know tricks that I can do to bring yeah. it back. Like no yeah. one's going to boo me, boo me. I know how to bring it back into something much more favorable. And those are things that in interviewing or whatever, you make a bad joke, you know, you're supposed to be trying to make them laugh or, or you make a bad joke and you know how to like quick change subjects so that they're not left hanging on that. What the fuck did she just say? What does that mean? You know, he just go anyway. So let me ask you something really, really important. That's yeah. going to like draw, you know, those are things yeah. that, yeah. that you start yeah. to pick up on and learn that are yeah. second nature that someone else who maybe doesn't do that might just go, uh, uh, bad joke. Uh, what do I do? How do I get out of this? Gosh, oh my gosh. Well, all I hear nowadays about these kids that are going for interviews is a, they feel like they're, you know, overqualified for everything. And the reality is, is they're underqualified for everything. But on top of that, like the social aspect, right? Yeah. Like these, you know, and I call them kids, but like this generation that's supposed to be interviewing right now, right? Their phones are attached to their hips. They don't have the interpersonal skills to be able to communicate, you know, even like language, just, we have such a beautiful language. You know, you never hear anybody talk the way that they spoke in these old time movies, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody is like, 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 you know, and OMG. And I just, it's probably not even what kids say nowadays, but that's all I know. <laughs> Mind blown emoji. Yeah, like mind blown emoji, or like what's the new one? The the skull and crossbones, like no skull and yeah, crossbones. I'm dead. I'm can't. Cask, I can't. Cask, casket emoji, skull emoji. See, you're up in it. Like I don't. I'm gonna have to come to you. I don't for use some it. Notes. No, no, I don't use it. I, I, if I ever do it, I type it out, and I'll just actually yeah. say like laughing emoji. If because yeah. if that's yeah. how the kids do it, like I, I'll just type it out like an old person. I won't use pictures. You like star laughing emoji. I'll just <laughs> type it. Yeah. Not even like distinguishing, just straight up <laughs> laughing emoji, crying emoji. That's awesome. High five, yeah. high five emoji. <laughs> I'm going to actually have to process that a little bit before I get back to you about whether or not that's funny or just utterly weird at this point. It's both. It's both. It started off because I don't use an, I don't use an iPhone. So like emojis were never a thing that were like pushed on my smartphones. It was just like, yeah. Oh, there's a side button here that you can hit that brings up emojis. And I was like, I haven't been using that for the last like 10 years. So why am I, I'm not going to start now. No, right. I'll just, <laughs> and then people would just like send it and people would get mad that I wasn't using, you know, emojis. And I was like, I was like, well, this is the best I can do for you. Yeah. Yeah. Emojis are better than acronyms though. Like yes. there was a time period there where like it was only acronyms and I didn't know what any of them meant. <laughs> R-O-F-L, L-M-A-O. All those, yeah, no, just at least a picture gives me some general sense of what you're trying to communicate. Yeah. I always like to ask, like, before I close out these interviews, I want to make sure I get a couple generics in there that put us in the time period. But yeah. for music for you, what were you, what were you listening to in high school? Cool. Um, so really hard rock, um, a perfect circle. OTEP, Static X, oh, wow. Nine Inch Nails, the classic Nine Inch Nails. Um, 
hard rock. Wow. That's different. Yeah. Yeah. Straight through high school, all the way into college. Actually, I stopped listening to it when I was pregnant because I thought that maybe the baby would hear it and become like demonic or something. Yeah. So I like actually stopped listening while I was pregnant. Um, they're strange anyway. So I probably could have just kept listening to it. <laughs> but yeah, really, really hard rock. Did Although you... I was kept in... God. No, no, go ahead. Although I was kept in touch with like the bubblegum stuff. Um, because when I work out. Uh, I always like to run. And when I work out, I like the like horrible bubblegum pop. It's Britney bitch. It's Britney bitch. <laughs> Did you go That's to concerts right. and stuff for that, for that type of music? I was, for like No, not college. Okay. Um, I saw Drowning Pool a couple of times. They came through Lower Delaware. And so uh, I saw Drowning Pool a couple of times, which was amazing. Um, I think I was at a Seven Dust concert at one point in Philly. But that's it. I never grew up going to concerts. It wasn't allowed. Yeah. So uh, didn't do a lot of them, unfortunately. That's right. I didn't go to really concerts. Loud. I didn't go to concerts either until college. So it was the same. And I loved music, but I just, it wasn't yeah. anything that my parents didn't take me to concerts. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never did a lot of concerts. You know, and the other thing is I was never really drawn to them, right? Like you're out late. I was always really ready for bed at 10 o'clock, yeah. <laughs> uh, never really drank much, didn't do drugs. Like the scene itself wasn't something that I necessarily, and I'm deaf in one ear. So really, I lost my, yeah, I lost my hearing when I was 12. How, we not, how do we not talk about this? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I lost my hearing when I was 12, was out of school for 32 days in sixth grade, which is another reason sixth grade was like absolutely horrible. Um, and uh, I was always told that I need to be really careful with the hearing that I did have, because if I ever hurt that eardrum, I'd be shit out of luck basically for the rest of my life. So, so then, never so really started. So then he started listening to Nine Inch Nails with the volume all the way up. Yeah, it seemed better than concerts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like when I run, uh, so my girls and I listen to like books on tape, and so like I'll put one thing in my ear and I'll give the other one to them because I don't need it, which is yeah. kind of. So completely Sharing deaf. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, which there's good and bad, right? So uh, round tables are the bane of my existence because I cannot hear somebody like always on this side. So I do a lot of like, <laughs> so funny. yeah, a lot of that to this person. Um, but my husband snores and the dog snores who lays in bed with us too. And so if I roll over, I can't hear them. How, do you, this good how do you get through cheerleading like that? That sounds dangerous and confusing if you're in cheer and you can't hear from one side. You know, um, it's not so much cheer. It actually um, was really difficult with uh, Taekwondo because I lost it with vertigo. Vertigo, oh, yeah. for whatever reason, I guess it's part of what can damage your cochlea, which is that seashell shape in your ear. Um, but my my balance is really bad. And so... I used to compete and I used to do a lot more. Um, but then as soon as I lost my hearing, my balance was really bad. So no more spinning kicks, no more, you know, of the cool stuff. Yeah. Um, and even now I've got really bad balance, but it's okay. I have other assets. <laughs> um, <laughs> other skills. <laughs> favorite movie? Mm, probably... If I had to pick one, Green Mile. Green Mile, that's different. That's a new one. 
Yeah, I love that show. It like pulls at your heartstrings. It's got a little bit of magic in it, which I think is really out there, you know, and that was huge. Michael, Michael Clark Duncan was a was like a beast during our era. He was like a huge star oh from, from that movie. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's good lessons in there. I just feel like that's a classic. I mean, Forrest Gump. Sure. That feels like an obvious one. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's a yeah. classic. The Green Mile, though, if it's on, I'll watch it always. That's funny. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this is the moment now where I go through the yearbook and I we find what? your and we find your entry. Oh. And we oh, see Lord. here, we see here how you you hold up with your your last quote. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, don't look at the picture. Is there's a story behind the picture too? I think you're like mom sent it in, right? No, no, no. Like this was oh. like like you take it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Oh boy. It still looks like you. <laughs> I've discovered a flattening iron for my hair. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you used to do the curly hair too, though. It, I used to perm it, Brad. Look, I literally got like the spiral perm, which yeah. I love. Um, but yeah, that that like wavy thing was is what it looks like when I just let it dry naturally. But you know, technology. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you've got cross country nine through twelve, indoor track nine through ten. Or I'm sorry, nine through ten cross country, indoor track nine through ten, track nine through ten. So you did track not for two years, and then that was mm-hmm. it for your sports. Yeah, that was it. Um, in school, not a team player. He said that. Um, foreign exchange, nine through 12. Did you take Japanese? I did. Went to Japan. Yeah. You did the Japanese yeah. trip where, where our superintendent was embezzling all that money so he could buy samurai swords. That's the one. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> That's right. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. Watashi no Namaya wa Jenny desu. Oh wow! That the uh, what uh, Watashi? Wait, say it again. Watashi no Namaiwa. That's uh, Watashi no Namaiwa Bradukun. Look at me! Look at me! Well this done. is my start. This is my start. Harpster Sensei, Boku Nevit Sensei, will be so proud that I just nailed yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> On my second try. Yeah. <laughs> I copy and paste their, you know, happy birthdays uh on on her facebook page but i always like have to google the full thing and like and make sure i'm yeah. like make sure i'm like saying it properly in hiragana and katakana and you still speak any Japanese? Exactly. i mean you still speak japanese but can you like write it are you in any way like proficient no that's legitimately the only thing i remember <laughs> see all i know is shishikane ne, because that's what i used to hear all the time was be quiet oh <laughs> That was that was it, and gummy baku. What's that? I think that's a trash can. Uh, oh, hey, that's a good one. <laughs> Be quiet, trash can. Be quiet in trash can. Uh, sign language, sign language club nine through ten. Is that was that because you could not hear out of your? That's right. You like how I? That's right. How I call that being deaf? Is that because you could not hear out of because you were deaf in one ear? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we need to be sensitive to that thing. Yeah. Uh, and then stars, 11 through 12. What is that? Oh, Lord. I don't even know, hmm. honestly. I don't know what that was. That's, it, it feels like a, a club. Yeah, it feels like a new one. 
I don't, I don't think anyone, anyone's talked about stars. It obviously had a long lasting impact on my mm-hmm. life. So obviously. Uh, mom and dad, I love you. Thanks for your support. Nikki, you're a wonderful person. My friends are, are, uh, that was my new boyfriend. Oh, okay. SB. <laughs> Scott Beck. Scott Beck. WM. I don't see any any M's that might WM. Did you have like friends like outside of this uh outside of our school district? Um yeah, not local friends though. Okay. So I mentioned the other places that we lived throughout the year. So up in that area. Yeah, I don't know the WM. It's not it's not clicking. Um, I'm going to remember it at like 5 p.m. tonight, and I'm going to send you an email and be like, dude, this is who it was. JL, Jess Lauer. My girl. SK. Mm-hmm. I always want to go to like a Stephanie. Yeah. K. K. Who is K? Man, I wish I knew I'm looking. I'm looking quickly through the K's here to see. The only SK I can see is Sue Kim. Oh yeah, it's Sue. Oh, remember I talked about. Remember I talked about going out that window. Yeah, there you go. Uh huh. <laughs> that was um, Sue. We've learned a lot. Good luck, Pat. I love you with all my heart. Thank you. Salty kisses forever. Oh wow! So I did my new boyfriend and my old boyfriend on the same quote. Damn, I was ballsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. That's how I roll. And. Just for shits and giggles, I saved your the homecoming page. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Look at that. I could feel the butterflies in my stomach. I held my breath. See, I was a writer way back then. Look at this layout. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you just thank the yearbook staff for that. I had nothing to do with the layout. Yeah, even um, in comparison, I got to say, like, the stretched out pictures that the rest of the homecoming court has, like, (laughs) you know, versus, like, your high-quality full-page photo is just, like, way superior. How did you, can I ask you, like, being someone that wasn't, like, in the cool crowd and didn't have a large group, how 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 did you see that coming about to where it was, like, Jenny Martin won homecoming? In my head, that's almost like an out of the blue type of thing. Um, because where do you, where do you garner the support amongst the most popular girls in school to be voted? And Pat wasn't in like that group of like popular Mm -hmm. guys. So it wasn't like a, oh, we've got to put these two as like our King and Queens. Like, how does that happen from your perspective to where you get voted to be homecoming queen? Um, so remember I talked about the insecurities in high school, like major, major insecurities, um, my first thought after, wow, this is amazing was it was a split vote. So because all of those popular girls were up there, I was kind of the one that wasn't popular. Mm-hmm. And so they all had split votes and, uh, it Sneak. was not because I was the most popular or that anybody liked me. It was just that everybody else, you know, couldn't decide between the popular girls. And so I was left over. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I know. And, you know, yeah. and it may have been the case, Brad, but um, it felt really good at that moment. And 
that was the launch pad for a lot of confidence building that I worked on for years after high school. So whether or not it was on purpose, um, it was, it turned out the way it was meant to be for me um, because I needed that, I think. That's so cool. That's, that is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is really cool. You should do this all the time. More of these. This is really, really fun. I'm so glad that you're doing these because I took a look at some of the other ones and it was fun to almost reconnect with people that I haven't spoken to or thought about, you know, in years. So I'm glad that you're doing this. And I'm honored, by the way, that you reached out to me. So thank you. Oh yeah, I'm glad that you. I'm so thankful you're you're like willing to do it, and like you didn't make me sweat over it at all. You were just like, it took you like, I feel like you looked at the links, and you were just like, like 45 minutes later, you're like, oh, I'm in, I'm I'm in. I was like, oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is what I do. I get on Zoom calls for a living, so this one's way more fun than most of them. <laughs> oh, good, good. I'm hoping, hopefully, I'm I'm going to be the highlight of of the day, or since it's a Monday, the highlight of the week for you. Hundred percent. As soon as I get through all these emails that have come in here, I'm watching them on the screen. <laughs> I hear you. All right, that was Jen Fitz, aka Jenny Martin. One of the things I always look forward to with classmates is being able to talk about what they take from their past in their school career and apply to their life now. And Jen definitely thinks about that in terms of her kids' own schooling and looking for improvements and growth from our era. I do wish I had more time with Jen. Uh, This was a mid-morning chat, and I had my dentist appointment coming up. And given more time, I would have asked Jen about you know, losing her hearing, which you could hear. I was surprised to find out, especially at the end of, of our conversation. And I would have asked her about her cheerleading experience, since that's something that um, we haven't really touched upon at all on the podcast. So hopefully uh, I'll get a chance in the future with Jen to talk a little bit more and find out maybe some more of those details that I was curious about. This video is also available at youtube.com slash RetroPlaya, which this video I stressed over for so long. Uh, Every once in a while, there's a thing where uh, when I'm doing these conversations over Zoom, the person is looking, my my classmate might be looking a certain way. um, And then when I go to input import the footage, uh, they're looking the opposite way of where my face is in the framing of the YouTube video. So I I fretted for like an hour and a half over what to do about this. Uh, Should I mirror Jenny's face so that she's looking the opposite way? Does that distort what she actually looks like? Um, And then I realized after this 90 minute just wrestle in my brain that I was having um, that nobody cared about this except for me. And uh, that was very liberating to finally come to the conclusion that I was stressing over nothing. Jenny's looking the other way, but I don't think anyone's going to give a shit. So you can go to youtube.com slash redshirtplaya, check out the video, and you can let me know for yourself. How do you feel about the way Jenny's looking? Um, I think I'm over it. All right. Follow the Facebook and the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And I am happy to say that after over 50 some episodes and just about two years of doing podcasts, uh, taking a short summer vacation, it's not long. The show will be back uh, the Monday after Labor Day, September 13th. And remember, all the previous episodes are available on the podcast feed everywhere you get podcasts. So if you've missed any, you got a few weeks to catch up on some uh, that may be sitting in your queue. Okay, that is it for me. I will be back the week after Labor Day, September 13th, on a Monday morning. Later.